Welcome to the Channel Champions Podcast, powered by Evolve IP, hosted by Zach Anderson. Today, we'll explore the always evolving landscape of the IT, telephony, and communications channel. If you are a trusted advisor, strategist, IT consultant, or sales engineer, this one's for you. Today's guest is... This is the Channel Champions podcast. This is episode 004. I've got my esteemed guests from Cloud Communications Group. Um, Why don't you guys go ahead and introduce yourselves? Keith Hatley, as you say, with Cloud Communications Group. um, I'm responsible for our sales and marketing efforts and appreciate you having us on the podcast. Absolutely. And Chris Moffitt, um, all responsible for... uh, operations, engineering, maybe some finance, some HR, whatever else goes on. So legal. Yeah. Happy Friday afternoon. <laughs> happy Friday. It is uh it is five o'clock, right? Yes. It is. Definitely, it is. definitely it five is somewhere. O'clock. So yes. cheers, everybody. Cheers. Keith's drinking uh what are you drinking over there? Sincoro tequila. Mm. Tequila. That's how yep. you know you're from Texas when you can just sip tequila like a boss. Yes. You heard <laughs> what right. he said there, Chris. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like a boss. Yeah. Um, like a boss. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. So, um, gosh, where do we start? So CCG, when you guys have been around for a while, you both have been in the channel for almost 30 years, you both said. Um, so I just kind of to walk, I wanted to walk through, you know, what, what the beginning was like, you know, how you both got into this crazy thing that we call the channel and just the technology space in general, but Chris or Keith, I mean, tell us how you, you both met. I'll I'll tell you two, maybe quick stories, just, you know, one, as far as how I got into the industry, um, and, and then, and then two, how we met, because to your point, I think we've both been in the space for about 30 years. I spent more time on the direct side um, before I got into the channel, and then we certainly understood the value that we could provide uh, through through the the partner side after having been on the direct side for a, for a period of time. So, having said that, I was I was direct sales guy for a company called AllNet Communications. I went and met with a recruiter um, that I I said she said What do you want to do? And I said I think I want to sell pharmaceuticals. She wanted to know why, and I really had no reason why. Uh, but I did tell her I knew that I didn't want to sell copiers. Okay. And little did I know that selling telecom essentially was the same thing other than the fact that I didn't have to buy a new vehicle. And she mm. said, I've got just the job for you. Mm. So they sent me to interview with Allnet Communications. And I interviewed with a guy that was you know, wearing the Armani suit in the corner office in, in downtown Dallas with you know, successful young people all over the place. And I thought I had died and gone to heaven. I knew that right then that was that was where I wanted to work. Did he have you the know, fancy boots too? What what are the boots that you no, guys wear? No, boots are boots are boots are more Fort Worth than Dallas. Okay. Um, okay. I know that's really fun. So, so. It, it's no, it's actually it's <laughs> I'm just uh, it's kidding. worlds apart for sure. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Worlds okay. forty six sure. miles. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And trust me when I tell you, I, I, I love my boots, but you know, but right out of right out of school anyway, I thought I I wanted to climb the corporate ladder. I wanted to be in corporate America. So for me, it was 
you know, put on my suit and tie and lace up my, my wing tips and, mm-hmm. you know, go pound the pavement. Get after it. Yeah, absolutely. And Chris, how did you uh, enter the space? Yeah, it was uh, completely by accident. I, um, I was working for a hotel at the time, you know, an entry level deal at the front desk. And, and I happened to be the guy who everybody believed knew the most about computers at the time, which believe me was sad. <laughs> and so they were like, here, we're going to upgrade all these, these computers and these networks, go figure it out. And I did and, and got to know the company that we had hired to do it, ended up going to work for them. Mm-hmm. You know, when they were in the space of installing phone systems and and voicemail systems at the time, which were separate from the phone system, that's how old I am. <laughs> and I uh, just kind of kind of went from there. So it was it was complete complete accident. And so, what year did you guys meet? Nineteen ninety nine. Ninety nine. Yeah. And if you yeah. ask me, it was ninety eight. We debate that, but it was somewhere January January <laughs> of ninety nine. And I and I know that because I had worked for I'd worked for a company called after I had worked in Allnet went to work for MFS mm-hmm. um, MFS sold Worldcom and and the principals of MFS went essentially started two different companies Jim Crow went and started Level Three Royce Holland went and started Allegiance Telecom Allegiance was based here in Dallas and and my boss at the time was the first employee at Allegiance. And so I followed him to Allegiant. So spent some time here and long story short, went and opened up um, Houston for Allegiance Mm -hmm. in January of 99. And somebody had told me that I needed to, I needed to hire this guy named Chris Moffitt. (laughs) Chris comes in to interview with me as a sales engineer manager. Mm -hmm. And I, and I told him, I said, look, this is going to be the shortest interview you've ever had because the job is yours. And I told him, look, you could you could tell me you build rocket ships for a living. And I don't know the questions to ask to get inside of whether or not you build rocket ships. So I got a couple of conditions and, you know, it was check your ego at the door. It's about building a company, you know, don't uh, or do whatever it takes in order to allow our people to be successful. Mm-hmm. And then finally, don't don't ever make me find out what it is that you do, because if I need to know what you do, then I don't need you. Right. And I, I said, I see that you got a ring on your fingers. So go home and talk to your wife and make sure that this is an environment you want to work in because sure. I'll fire you just as quickly as I hired you. Mm-hmm. And best hire I've ever made. I guess so. He's sitting yep. next to you, sitting the, or the next office o- over. Yep. So, yep. There you go. It's been fun. Yeah, it's worked out. It's worked 24 out. years. It's worked out well. So you both came from the supplier side. And I, I was curious to know. Um, how does one, you know, in, in this, in this channel space, I mean, how do you go, how do you make that jump from the supplier side to the technology advisor side? I mean, what, what gave you the idea to, to want to, to go that route, so to speak? I think part of it was, you know, seeing a lot of the folks that had done it before and, and having a lot of the success that they had had. And, and in some cases, even, you know, they were folks that weren't, weren't very successful on the direct side. You know, at, at the same time, I will tell you, for us, it was it was hard um, because we had had success and had, you know, positions where you're considered a highly compensated employee. It's 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 a challenge, you know, to make that jump and and say you're going to go build it from scratch. But 
you know, Chris, Chris and I, again, I come more from the sales side, Chris from the operation side. We both went to business school, you know, and now said, all right, you know, we, we know a little bit about finance. So between anyway, the, the two of us were, were, we, we understand, you know, how to, how to build a business um, and certainly understand different aspects of the business. So after we got out of business school, we said, let's go do it. So mm-hmm. having said that, you know, both of us couldn't afford to be without a job at the same time. So I was running down the street, you know, knocking on doors because that's what I had done when I, you know, first got into this business mm-hmm. in order to try and make ends meet. And I honestly, I, I only did it for about a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And then I got a call from from the folks at Macergy, mm-hmm. um, who were people that I had worked with at a couple of other companies in the past that said, hey, it's an equity opportunity you know, mothball the business and and come here and do it. And, you know, while we really did, you know, start to hit our stride at that point, I, honestly, I was just lonely. Mm. You know, I went from at one point having almost almost a thousand employees to now all of a sudden I'm sitting in an office, you know, I'm not in high demand for sure. Sure. So it was an opportunity for me to get back to the leadership side of, mm. of corporate America, which I certainly enjoyed. So I had a conversation with Chris and said, Hey, this just makes sense. Let's mothball the business and I'll go to this, you know, to, to Masergy until there's a liquidity event and then we'll, you know, come back and do it together. So what I, what I didn't know is, is, is after about two years, Chris then was going to call me and say, all right, I can't take this corporate stuff anymore. And he said, I want to go run the business. And I'll, I'll let him tell you a little bit more about that. But he did that for about, I guess, about five and a half years or so, six years, maybe. Oh, wow. Um, before before I finished my stint at Macergy. Mm-hmm. And then now and then now we've been back here together running the business for the better part of the last four years. So, Chris, what was it like yeah. without Keith there kind of, you know, helping you run the business for those five years? Man, I gotta tell you, it was it was it was pretty humbling. You know, I um I I get or I got at the time pretty annoyed with with where I worked. And so it was, I just I just can't do this anymore. And you know, it was pretty humbling because I'm like, you know, I understand how this works. I think I've got a great, you know, message. Like everybody is going to, you know, work with me. Everybody's gonna buy stuff through us. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's obviously not how it works. And so, you know, the first little bit of staring at the white walls, and it's like, man. Like, why isn't my phone ringing? I don't get it. So, you know, again, it, it was, uh, it was, it was an interesting experience. Um, it was pretty humbling. And, uh, but again, you know, glad, glad we did it. Um, I think I can speak for both of us. I think we're both glad we did it. Yeah. So what, what year was it when you guys um, came back together and kind of formally started back up? Uh, it was literally four years ago. Well, well, let me rephrase that. So when I went to Masergy, there was language in my offer letter that said, you know, you've got to separate yourself from the business. So we did that, but it was, you know, it stayed dormant for two years mm-hmm. um, before Chris came back and and then started running it. And then for both of us being back together, literally was, it'll be four years ago. I think technically July 1st is, wow. mm-hmm. uh, is when I had left Masergy or June 30th was my last day at Masergy. Wow. And I, I took a month off and and then came back and started working in, in August. Wow. Actually, I don't even know if I took a month off. So I think I might, maybe it was, anyway. 
took a little bit of time off in July. And, um, uh, but as come this July, at some point, it will have been four years. Wow. And little did you both know that nine months later, we would have this, you know, little thing that happened in 2020. Oh gosh. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, uh, well, and what's really crazy is, is we had actually worked on a consulting project. Hmm. Um, I'll spare you the details there, but we spent, we spent a lot of time on a consulting project for the end of, I guess it was 2019. And, and, and before, so before I left Macergy, it was, so, so it was like, okay, I, I, I quit my corporate job. Um, I buy an, I buy a second home mm. in Montana. Mm -hmm. And then we spent a lot of time on this consulting project that ultimately didn't bear fruit. And, and starting in January of 2020, we've got an empty funnel. <laughs> Um, mm -hmm. and then in, and then in March of 2020, mm -hmm. actually, uh, it take a step back. One of the things that I, I had done is, is called some peers in the space that said, all right, you know, what are you doing to build a business? And we had gotten some advice around doing events and we had, we organized an event to do, uh, with contact centers. Okay. And, and it was to be at SMU and we had Genesis and five, nine and nice and talk desk. Sure. Um, they were all going to be on a panel and that was going to be our coming out party, if you will. Wow. And, and to your point, the, the world shuts down, you know, about yeah. a week before we were supposed to do the event. Oh, geez. So yeah, it was, uh, it was scary. Yeah. Um, you know, but at the same time, I think it gave us the, you know, kick in the pants that we needed to get out there and cold call again, right? In order to allow us to to build the business, and you know, we've had we've 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 been fortunate, and and we've had a good run. And as a matter of fact, I would also say that COVID, honestly, in a lot of ways, helped us because mm, absolutely, you know. Yeah, I mean, aside from the fact that people then were procuring technology, it also allowed us to do business like this. Right. Right. We weren't having to, we weren't having to spend a ton of money going out to, you know, see our customers because that's the other thing is a lot of our customers aren't based here locally. Right. Um, so, and it, and it became a standard way to do business, you know, here over a video connection versus having to get on a plane right, and spend money that quite frankly, we might not have had at that time. Sure. Um, so anyway, so yeah, it's been it's it's been a it's been a really good run. Um, I think I think both of us feel blessed that we're that we've been doing it and having an opportunity to do it here together. Yeah. So 2019, you guys are officially starting C or I guess restarting CCG. Sure. At that time, did you have I don't want to say a commitment to, but did you have relationships with some of the TSDs at, at that time? Or, or did you, you know, what, what was the process there for sort of your go to market at that time? Well, so when, when I had started the business, at least to my knowledge, um, there was really only one, one game in town mm -hmm. um, when I first started. And so I think Chris really just kind of maintained that relationship. Who was that with? And, uh, it was with Intelsys. Okay, got it. Nice. So, and then and then we diversified 
once once I came back, uh, you know, just really because it's like, all right, if we're gonna if we're gonna use tools or leverage resources, then you know, let's let's make sure that they get a return on on that investment. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and anyway, we've got we've got relationships with multiple different masters, and 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 all of them treat us very well. Mm. That's great. And so I'm always curious to know, um, just because, you know, I'm more on the supplier side, but as a, as a technology advisor, I mean, how, how critical are those relationships with the TSDs? Um, I guess back then, I guess you could go back to 2019, but then also today, I mean, how, how critical was that or, or, you know, with regards to your success and, and what you were doing at the time? You know, I, I would say they're critical for sure. Um, I think I think different people use them for different things. Interesting. Um, okay. You know, uh, just case in point, when when we first started the business, I I thought, you know, again, let me let me make sure that I leverage a master for for contracts that I didn't have. Okay. Um, and I felt like, hey, I've got relationships with a lot of folks in this space that would allow me to go ahead and get direct contracts, and it and it did. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's difficult to keep up with those contracts. And then when when one company sells to another and sells to another and sells to another, it potentially leaves you exposed. Yeah. So um, so that said, for us, you know, the master relationships are are critical mm-hmm. because they have provided us with a tremendous amount of protection. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously gives us access to tools and, and, sure. and, and a portfolio that we wouldn't otherwise be able to have. Sure. Um, and, and, and certainly expertise and then obviously compensation, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So I, I do think that different people use different masters or use masters differently. Mm-hmm. You know, fortunately for me, I've got, I've got a resource like Chris and other folks here in the office that are pretty technical that mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, may minimize our dependence on, on some of those technical resources that a master provides a lot of other partners. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but, but nonetheless, I think the, the relationships <laughs> with masters are, are critical for a number of different reasons. Yeah. So since you do have Chris as your sort of technical resource, um, at CCG, do you feel like that gives you a leg up over, I don't know if I want to use the word your competition in the space, but you know, when you're having conversations with potential clients and you do have that in-house resource, I mean, how, you know, do you think that gives you a leg up as well? Or do you think that other, you know, technology advisor companies can sort of leverage other resources like a TSD or like a supplier for that matter, when they don't have that in-house um, technology resource? Yeah, I think it's a great question. Uh, I, I'd answer that probably a couple of different ways. One, I don't think that other people that do exactly what we do are, are the competition. Mm-hmm. I, I think if we have really a competitor, it would be a direct sales organization. Okay. Right. And, and, and further, what I think is, is I think the model sells itself. Sure. Right. You know, again, I, I may compete with, you know, ABC company, Mm -hmm. um, 
but ABC company only sells ABC company. And even if ABC company isn't the right fit, they get paid to try and convince somebody that they are. Hmm. So I think, I think our clients really do appreciate the model of agnostic consulting. Sure. And that's really what we try and position ourselves as and try and provide a product that allows us to act as a consultant. Um, so, but uh, honestly, we don't come across many folks, many other, you know, let's say trusted advisors mm-hmm. in the opportunities that we're involved with. Hmm. Interesting. So, um, I know that will continue to change, or at least I believe that will continue to change mm-hmm. just because I believe that this space is, is becoming more attractive. Yeah. And continues to provide value that allows us to go up market. I think there's certainly been an evolution in in the channel. And I think for a long period of time, you had, for lack of a better way to put it, just circuit slingers that were out there selling a price. And now what you have is, is you've got sophisticated sales organizations that really understand the technology and do treat it like a consulting engagement whereby they do provide consulting on the evaluation side and provide support in implementation and then an ongoing relationship through lifecycle management, which justifies a customer wanting to do business then with said trusted advisor. Mm. Yeah, it's truly a partner. The client, you know, for a long, long, long time, and in, in many, many cases, still, you know, other companies that that you know in our industry, they, they treated everything transactionally. They would sell something, you know, they may help you get it implemented, but then they've got to move on, and they're they're going chasing the next the next win. And um, we we absolutely stay involved, and so mm. to that point, it's why again, I don't think, and you know, I agree with Keith, we don't we don't see a lot of those, you know maybe on paper competitors, we don't, we don't look at it that way. Hmm. That's interesting. Well, I think too, yeah. No, I was just going to add to that. I, I think part of that too is, is the space that we're selling into. We're, you know, we, we've gone from selling, you know, anybody that was buying anything mm-hmm. to selling more into what we consider the enterprise space. Maybe it's mm. the small end of the enterprise space. Okay. So that we define as 500 million to 5 billion. And, and while we certainly have opportunities that fit on the outside of both ends of that spectrum, um, our focus is in that larger opportunity um, in part because it's, it's, it's a, it's a bigger mess and, and the bigger the mess, the more opportunity that we have to bring value. Hmm. Do you think it's easier or harder you know, working in that enterprise, um, you know, the the type type of range that you said, versus sort of the small to medium size business market. I don't know that there's an easy answer, but I can answer it in a couple of ways. I think it is definitely harder for somebody like me because I am I'm not a technology guy. Mm. You know, and I and and I I don't sell technology. I I wanna I wanna look to understand the business and then leverage technology to solve business outcomes. But but I think there are plenty of folks 
like me that sometimes have a challenge because you have to make sure that you're solving that technology side. Right. Right. Um, I do think, you know, it, it takes, it takes a lot of effort to sell any kind of deal. Sure. So, you know, you'd like to think that, all right, well then let me go spend that same amount of time to sell a deal on a bigger deal than a smaller deal. And sometimes on the bigger deal, sometimes they have more sophisticated resources. Mm-hmm. Um, where you don't necessarily have to go through every I and every T to make sure that everybody understands everything because they are, they have people that have some of that understanding. Yep. Um, by the same token, it's still a challenge to navigate the sales process. Mm-hmm. And you've got to make sure that you've got the chops that allow you to do so. And whether that's your internal chops or whether that's leveraging the master. Um, but I'll also say that, you know, the buying process, certainly when you're selling into those larger opportunities, there's a lot more people involved. Oh yeah. So you've, you also have to make sure that you are touching all of the decision influencers. Right. To, you know, help deliver that outcome. Hmm. Yeah. And it's almost, uh, and what's interesting about that is just, you know, for us, we talk about that a lot too, is that, you know, I think the smaller organizations, they need more of a larger, you know, they're, they're looking for a a, more of a resource, whereas the larger companies already have that. And so when you're positioning your company, when you're talking about CCG, I mean, how do you position yourself just across the board? Like when you're, I would say when you're courting a company, um, a prospective client, how, how do you how do you position yourselves? Um, and and is it ever, you know, is it ever hard to kind of get across? Because obviously in the channel we know what a technology advisor company is, right? But end users, I mean, you know, before I came to Evolve, like I didn't know what it meant. So like, why is that even beneficial? But for you guys, do you ever? find that it's that that's a challenge that you're having to explain what it is exactly that you're doing and how you're bringing value to them. That was a long question. I'm sorry. <laughs> no. And, and, and the short answer is yes, it is. It is hard um, to deliver that message in an appropriate period of time. Mm-hmm. Right. So if, if, if we've got a lot of time and we can show them, you know, artifacts and provide them with different anecdotes and examples of what it is that we've done, then yeah, absolutely. It makes sense. Um, but you've also got the, all right, kind of what's the catch. Okay. Wait a minute. You're going to provide me with this, you know, evaluation and design and engineering work on the front end. And it's not going to cost me anything. And, and, and just quite frankly, we, we, we do different things. So certainly when we first started going into the business, again, it was sell anything that you can. Right. Um, then it's all right, well, we're, we're providing a lot of value Yeah. and, and you don't go to the doctor without, without, without paying for it. Right. Um, you know, so we've, we've, we've done different things in that regard, but, um, but it's it's it, there's no question it's it's always a challenge um just because sales is always hard mm-hmm. 
I think we're getting better and better at it in, in terms of communicating the different areas that we do provide value. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're, again, we're getting, we're getting, we're getting, we're getting okay at it, but I'm not going to give you our secret sauce. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. I wouldn't ask for it, but I am interested. I think it is, it is interesting. Um, you know, I keep bringing up channel partners, uh, just chatting with you guys, but I think what's interesting now is, you know, you say that you're really not competing against these other technology advisor companies, which I think is great. I think that's great just as a channel in general, you know, the more willing that we are to collaborate and communicate, not necessarily share secret sauce, but just, you know, be being willing to kind of align and, you know, share in these different opportunities. But it's just interesting to hear you say that, you know, they're really, we're not competing against each other. And I think that's really cool. Well, and, and let me clarify too, on the secret sauce piece, I am, I am a big proponent of, you know, a rising tide raises all ships. And when I first got into the space or got back into the space, I reached out to, you know, all of, all of the folks that, you know, in this mm-hmm. industry. And, mm-hmm. and there were those that were willing to share openly mm-hmm. and there were some that, that weren't. Yeah. Um, so I will tell you, I am, and, and Chris is certainly willing to do the same thing, but we're willing to share openly what it is that we do really. Mm-hmm. So, and, and trust me when I tell you, there is, there is no rocket science behind it. At, sure. at the end of the day, it's, you know, communicate what it is that you do you know, then, then do what you say and follow up and stay engaged. Hmm. Again, it's, it's really simple stuff Hmm. where, where it's almost unbelievable. Right. Um, So, but having said that it's, it's, you also have have to have a trained ear as it relates to, okay, here's where we can provide value. Mm -hmm. And 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 I'll also tell you this, there's no question I bring the least amount of value to any of our engagements. And Chris joke, you know, thinks that I joke when I said that say that because I but I believe that. And and also I certainly understand my place. And and I don't, you know, the company does nothing without sales, right? It's you know, you have to make sure that you get in the door. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of all the things that happens from there, as it relates to the consulting, um, on any number of different areas really comes from Chris and other folks on the team. Mm. So, and, and that's, that, that also does allow us to do well, which then ultimately in turn is, is, is great for the customer because it, right. we do more, we do a lot with not as many customers right which allows us to be you know boutique and 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 allows us to understand more about their business which then in turn allows us to provide more value so Hmm. well and and to add and again keith keep this this sell himself short it's this this the, the team that you know that that's put together here it truly kind of exemplifies that you know one and one is is more than two one plus one is more than two um, but again, it comes down to listening and, uh, you know, there's an insurance company that I'll, I'll give them credit for their, their slogan. It's, uh, you know, we know a thing or two cause we've seen a thing or two. 
Right. Yeah. That, that's kind of the way this works. You know, Keith has run large sales organizations. So he understands what somebody that's trying to drive revenue for a business is dealing with. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we have another gentleman here that's that's been CIO of, you know, Fortune 300 companies. So he understands what it's like to have to deal with with those kind of things. And so when we come in, we can listen. And it's not hey, how many, how many servers do you have? Or how many widgets do you have over here? It's, so what problems are you guys trying to solve? You know, mm. what, what, uh, what are you looking at to grow revenue this year? And, right. you know, how is your customer satisfaction looking? And you, you can truly become that business partner. And so mm-hmm. um, that's, uh, again, it's not necessarily a secret sauce, but it, uh, I think it's something that does set us apart. Right. So like, depending on, I think that's interesting what you said. So, that's, it's hard to say like, okay, you have this problem. That means that you need this solution. So can you, I guess from a, from a technical standpoint, Chris, could you tell me about what your process is when you are hearing these, you know, these pain points, I guess, when you're, when you're you know talking to a prospective client and they're saying these certain things, because in the back of your mind, you got to be thinking about what sort of supplier portfolio that you've got, you know, to access, right? But how how do you marry those two things together? Like when you're hearing these pain points, you're like, okay, that means that they need this sort of solution. Yeah, good question. You know, I, there's again, there's a couple of different answers. You know, there are whether anyone you know wants to admit it, there there are commodity products in our industry. And so, you know, depending on the pain point, if it's a commodity product, you know, that's a that's a fairly simple fix. Um, some of the more complex ones, whether it's in security or whether it's in, you know, customer experience, um, again, we, I, we try, I think in, in our team together to figure out what they're really after. Um, mm-hmm. you know, Keith mentioned, we went to business school and one of my favorite things from, from B school that I still talk about and I'll give him credit. This is a marketing professor at SMU named Bill Dillon. Mm-hmm. He had a saying that was nobody in the world has ever bought a quarter inch drill bit they're buying a quarter inch hole. Mm. And, you know, so it's, it's one of those things you try and figure out, all right, what are they actually trying to solve? Because, um, you know, the things, an, an example of my network goes down every day. Okay. That's a problem, but there's, <laughs> there's multiple fixes to that. So it's sure. like, okay, so let's get into, do we know why it goes down and not just why, but what is it going to need to do in 24 months? Mm. You, know, you mentioned COVID. I don't know that anybody in 2018 or 2019 was planning for, you know, 90 plus percent of their staff to be working remotely and accessing. So, you know, just things like that. It's it's truly listening and trying to understand what the business really needs. So when you... Well, okay. I would add just one thing though, real quick. I, I think that's, I, I do think one other important thing to note though is... You know, you talked about marrying together the products, right? And thinking through that. And and um, we don't necessarily think about it like that. Huh. You know, I, I think the business organically happens. Hmm. And what we do is, is what we try and do is, is, you know, call it servant leadership. You know, let's do, do the right thing, right? Yeah. If you can help somebody, help them. Yeah. And... And if you do, then inevitably what happens is, is you find all kinds of business opportunities 
But if you go in there just looking for how do you marry it up to a product, mm. you, you, you miss the bigger picture. And I know that sounds so nuanced, but it's a huge, huge difference. Mm. Absolutely. Or makes a huge difference. Anyway, I don't mean to suggest that other people don't do the same thing. Yeah. But it's a it, it's a huge difference in terms of the impact that it has on the other side of the desk. Yeah. And and fortunately, you know, we're now at a, and and again, don't get me wrong, right? Go back to when we first started the business, it was you know, I'm going to ask you, you know, three, four, five, ten qualifying questions. And yep. if there's not a buying opportunity right now, yeah. I'm out the door. Yep. And now it's all about build a relationship. And 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 oh by the way, build an authentic relationship. Sure. Um, because the good news is is what we do allows us to scale because there's so many different solutions that we can provide. Right. But it's just kind of shifting the paradigm, if you will, in terms of how you approach the end user. Mm -hmm. And I think it has a profound difference. And one thing I want to add to that, that that I thought was was pretty, pretty, you know, neat to see when it happened. Um, and it's happened repeatedly after, but we've had one client who has an issue that's not really in our realm, mm. but we know them enough that we hear about it. And we're like, you know what? We have this other client that I bet they've had something similar. Let's mm. talk to them. Mm. And we've actually connected clients of ours that again are kind of outside the scope of our expertise, but they were able to help each other in that that little ecosystem. And again, it's that, you know, thinking beyond the the transaction and it's Just a true relationship. So think, yeah, thinking be, beyond beyond the sale. Yeah. Yeah. And then focusing on, you know, longevity of the relationship, right? Because I mean, how many Absolutely. other how many how many other businesses would do that, would go out of their way to say, you know, hey, I'm not quite sure about that, but maybe, maybe this idea could work. Maybe this, you know, we have another client, like you just said, that has had that problem and they've actually fixed it. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. We've told clients to do things that are, you know, short-term, um, not in our best interest. You yeah. know, it's, you know, Hey, look, there's this other solution over here. It's a lot less. It may not have you know a lot less expensive. It may not have all the bells and whistles, but you don't really need all these bells and whistles. So this, we think this is the right thing for you. Mm. And uh, we've done that. We do that, you know, regularly when it went appropriate. Mm. One thing I was going to ask earlier was, you know, when you are in sort of that discovery process and I mean, let, let's say for example, hypothetically that they have these problems and you know that multiple providers could fix that problem. So how, you know, what's the process like of bringing in multiple suppliers on, you know, one sort of opportunity or, and, and does that happen often or, or has it ever happened to you guys or? Sure. It's happened. Um, you know, I don't, I, having said that it, it doesn't happen a lot, hmm. you know, we'll, we'll make a recommendation based on the business requirements. Hmm. And, you know, while we've got a portfolio of 300 providers or what have you, Mm -hmm. Um, there are only, there are only so many that we believe for one reason or another, you know, fit into the space and the solution that we're trying to deliver. Mm. And, and, and depending upon, you know, what stack that's in, 
Mm-hmm. There again, there are just nuanced differences that say, here's why you need to go with XYZ as opposed to ABC. Mm-hmm. But when you're talking to both of those companies, it's going to be hard for you to understand those differences, mm-hmm. right? Because maybe you're not asking the right questions, but assuming we understand what it is that you're trying to solve, mm-hmm. it's typically, typically, you know, not more than a handful of players um, that are good fits. Having said that, culture is a big thing for us. Mm-hmm. And we communicate that with our customers is here are people that, you know, may be really good at, you know, delivering XYZ solution, mm-hmm. but inevitably something is going to go wrong. Right. And they might not be as good as it relates to servicing those mm-hmm. challenges. Mm-hmm. So it, it, having said that, it's always their decision, but we typically have good enough relationships with our customers where they get to the point where it's tell us what we should do. Mm-hmm. And we're not bringing in multiple different providers. Right. Now we may Super tell them kind of the selection process. Sorry, Chris. We may tell them kind of our selection process. Um, so if for some reason or another, they, you know, kind of disagree or they feel like we more heavily weighted one thing versus another. Mm-hmm. They're certainly, you know, open or willing to give us different direction. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're typically going in pretty hot and heavy with a recommendation. Mm. I'm sorry, Chris, what were you going to say? No, and you're, you're spot on. And the only thing I would add for any suppliers and, and providers that see this is this is where um, the TSDs that we talked about earlier and, and some of those, those firms when they can come in, because um, to Keith's point, it's usually not a, you know, this is a toss up. Somebody picked the, pick the logo colors they like, you know, there's usually a, a really good reason why somebody is going to be good at this. It's, I have this problem I'm trying to solve. I use this CRM system. I use this ITSM. I mean, this geography, whatever it may be, there's somebody that kind of checks that box because that's why, you know, that supplier started. Um, Mm -hmm. That is where I think suppliers in some cases um, miss the boat a little bit with the TSDs is getting them to understand um, that those kind of details, because when right. we call, you know, somebody and say, Hey, I need this, here's X, Y, Z criteria. They should be able to go. Yep. That's so-and-so and so-and-so. Mm. So that's the thing for the suppliers that, that may hear this. So that's an interesting point because you said earlier, there are some products out there, which a lot of suppliers sell that are commoditized. Mm-hmm. So what are your, what are your, what, what's your advice to suppliers that do sell those commoditized products? You know, how do they, uh, how do, how do those suppliers make like, just like you said, if you want to make it easy for the TSDs, you know, tell them exactly where you fit, but you know, cause what, what's your thought there? Yeah, that's a great question. So if, if, if it's truly a commodity product and you know, we all know those out there, um, yeah. be easy to work with. Yeah, You know, um, uh, we were talking, we, we try to, you know, make life easy for our clients. You know, mm. that's part of it. If, yeah. if you're, you know, installing internet circuits that probably 55 different companies can do in your geography, wherever you are, you know, be the easiest to work with, mm. um, because that is a big, big, big win. Yeah. Um, 
the less effort that organizations have to spend, the, the better. So that would be my advice. Be easy to work with and do what mm. you do well. Love that. Keith, were you going to say something? I thought I heard you. No, I was actually just looking at your uh, your whiskey glass. Are those mountains on the bottom of them? It is a mountain on the bottom. Yeah, I have I have similar glasses or maybe even those exact glasses. Yeah, I like it a lot. It actually, yeah. I yeah, I, I don't know if it's to measure how much whiskey is in there, but I... I don't know. I've measured it out like with a shot glass, which is an ounce, and it comes just below the the peak of that mountain. So it's kind of like a a way to keep myself honest. Yeah, I've just like I've that. got I've got a set that has different different mountain ranges. Oh, that's cool. That's not as cool as yeah. mine. This this is just kind of No, it is. It's cooler actually. Oh, okay. Thank you. <laughs> well, I find you guys will be uh, much happier when you pay attention to the whiskey and not the glass, but no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Um, gosh. So uh, one thing I wanted to ask about earlier was you, somebody, somebody brought up CX, which I think is so interesting now because it means, in my opinion, I think it means different things to different people. Um, I say people broadly because you've got the technology advisors, you've got customer slash end users you've got the the tsds right so what does it mean to you guys what does cx mean to you and then i want to follow up follow that up with what does that mean to your customer well i would say to us um that's a great question i i I would say i want our clients to look at us as a a addition to their team that they they don't want to live without Mm. um and whether that is the it organization and more of a kind of a tactical infrastructure or again in a lot of cases our engagements are not with it it's with customer service it's with the sales organization it's with you know other business units uh so same thing that's what i would say it means to us um Mm -hmm. keith i don't know what your thought is I mean, I, I, I never, well, I, um, I, I would say it's just getting, getting people what they want, when they want, how they want. Mm. Right. So again, just a different way to say the same thing, I think is, you know, being an asset and a resource for our customers that they can't live without. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and I think it's similar to, you know, for customers, you want to, you want to work with people that are easy to do business with. You want to work with people that really bring value to you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was, I aming with one of my customers just a minute ago with, all right, what, what do you have going on this weekend? Um, but we've gotten to that point because we first have added value. Right. Right. You know, I, I can remember the old days in sales and they teach you to, you know, build a rapport. Yeah. And and what was interesting is, is I was like, you know, people can smell a fake. Oh, yeah. Right. There's no, there's no there's not rapport. really. I mean, don't get me wrong. Right. I mean, let's try and build a little bit of rapport, but let's quickly get down to business. Right. Um. You know, because again, everything that that you're doing, Mr. Customer, has an opportunity cost associated with it. And you talking to me is keeping you from doing something else. Yep. So allow me to quickly determine um, 
or or provide you with some information to allow you to quickly determine whether or not we can bring value. Sure. Um, and then once you bring value, then you can build the rapport. And it's uh, it, anyway, it's just it, it's a great it's a great it's a great relationship then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people smell or that they can people can see through bullshit, right? That's right. Yeah. You know, but what's also interesting today is with all, you know, as, as far as consumers go, like how people buy things, you know, you've got Amazon, right? So if, if it's me and I want to go buy a shirt, right? I'm going to go on Amazon and I'm going to say, I want a blue or pink polo, right? And then I'm going to look at all the reviews that I can on this shirt. And then I'm going to make that decision for myself. So knowing what we know now about how consumers buy things today, has that affected how technology or, or IT leaders purchase solutions? Like it, it has that sort of, you know, are they buying the same way as like a typical consumer? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, yeah, sorry, Chris. I I, um, I mean, the thing that uh, I'll tell you, my first reaction to your question is, Number one, we're not selling to the consumer, right? But but I but I understand your question. Um, two, in the space that we're selling into, these folks have to justify the decision that they're making. Sure, right. So they're they're having to go to an executive committee or steering committee or board of directors that says. Here's what it is that they're doing. So, I mean, certainly there's some subjectivity in it. Mm-hmm. But what we try and do is, is make make it very objective, mm. right? Understanding what those requirements are. Again, there may be some subjective component to it, but allowing allowing those, you know, decision makers to support the decisions or the recommendations that they're making with objective data and objective information. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. I, I would say in the, in the light of, you know, the, how people purchase, cause to your point, you can, you can go online to buy that shirt at, I'm going to guess thousands of different places. If you, if you looked for them. Sure. Um, I think it comes back to the service of setting people apart. And, and I think, you know, at least in my personal experience, I've started to, you know, see, you know, where things are purchased and some of that online shopping is now paying attention to, all right, this one can actually get it here, Amazon, you know, it shows up on Prime Day or whatever. Right. So I think with that, um, I won't say that that we've seen technology leadership pay more attention to quality. I won't necessarily phrase it that way, but I think it's it's almost a discussion about their purchases are leading with quality because I think they they understand that if I don't deliver or this solution doesn't deliver, it is absolutely detrimental in the business. It's it's not enough to just simply have something that looks and sounds good, you know, out there on the on the web. We have to actually deliver. Mm-hmm. And so kind of I think to what, what Keith was saying, you've got a lot more focus on you know, justifying, here's why we're doing what we're doing. Here is the, here's the positive to the business of what we're doing. Right. And, and truly measuring that back to the, the customer experience. Right. 
What's interesting to me is like, you know, you you can go on Amazon and see this this thing has 10,000 reviews, right? So one would say that subjectively those 10,000 people thought that this thing was great. But I wonder at what point with all those reviews does it not become subjective or anecdotal? Does, does that make sense? And I'm wondering how that will correlate with how again, how people would buy technology. Like instead of hearing about how great it is from the actual supplier or from the technology advisor, I wonder what that's going to turn into down the road. You know, like if if uh, outside reviewership is going to play a bigger role or or is it more like today, I think a lot of it comes down to the relationship that for example, you guys would have with different suppliers and stuff like that. But I just think it's an interesting time. Um, and, and I'm curious to see what it's like, say, five years from now, what the the consumer type is and, and how they actually buy things, specifically technology in the channel. Yeah, reviews are an interesting one. And it, it actually, you know, that, that analogy of like an Amazon review or a Yelp type review, I, I would say is an is an argument in favor of working with someone like us. I, um, yeah, yeah. you know, I, I will take, and I think most people would be the same. We would take a review of a product or service from a friend as a ton of weight. Personal oh, example yeah. today, I had to have a, a new key fob made for my daughter's car. And, you know, I had the choice of going to the dealership, which wanted to charge me $612. Um, and so I sent a text message to some of my friends, Hey, anybody done this? And somebody came back. Oh yeah, these guys are great. They did it. It was half the price. Nice. So I think that's kind of the value with us is, you know, we build those relationships with clients and we give them that review and that experience. Um, but from a trusted source. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, which I think is hard to replicate, you know, in, in the quantity that, you know, again, 10,000 reviews on an Amazon product or whatever. I mean, it would take you, I don't know how long it would take you to read that, but longer <laughs> than I think anybody is going to take. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think for your customers specifically, you know, from a CCG standpoint, I mean, you both have, you have the advantage of being in the space for 20 years or with almost 30, right? So that's not, that's not subjective or anecdotal at, at that point. But if you could, you know, going back to when you first started CCG, I mean, what what sort of advice would you give to your younger selves starting out, you know, starting out, starting this new company when you don't have that, um, I would I would venture to say objective experience, right? Or, or that sort of objective knowledge of what, you know, what you deem to believe is best for the company, uh, for the customer. You know, like what, what do you, what advice do you give to yourself back then when you don't have that, that resource? I, I would say the one thing that, again, I think, um, I don't know that it would be considered advice, but I would say it's maybe a reinforcement because I, I think we're pretty good at it. We're not perfect at it, but, um, the way I think you build that credibility is you, you know, you do what you say, where you do what you say you're going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've had, we've had instances where, you know, client I'll, I'll follow up with you by the end of the day, um, with the answer and yeah. we don't have the answer by the end of the day, but there's a phone call made that says, Hey, I told you I would follow up. I don't have the answer, but I wanted to touch base and let you know that, that we're still working on it. 
So you keep your word. So I think, um, you know, maybe not necessarily advice, but a reinforcement because we we try and do that again. We're not perfect, but that's what we strive for. Sure. What were you going to say? Pretty close. No, I I was going to say we're, as it relates to doing what we say we're going to do within a period of time anyway. I mean, that I, I, I would say that's just part of our culture. You know, but 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 your question, you know, was, you know, how do you objectify it? I think, I think, I think it's really all. I mean, certainly there are some subjective pieces to it, but it's just really making sure that you've documented the requirements, mm. and then being able to substantiate how somebody does or does not meet those requirements. Yeah. Now, having said that, to Chris's point before, there, there, there are some commoditized products out there. Mm-hmm. Well, then it boils down to, all right, well, do you like the account management team better? Sure. Or, or do you like the pricing better? Yeah. Or do we have higher relationships that will higher level relationships anyway that will allow us to get something done in the event that you know normal channels don't allow for appropriate resolution. Mm-hmm. Um. But I also think that by and large, those are the same things that we've always done. Be able to support what it is that you say. It's like every, everybody's got a boss, mm-hmm. right? So just make sure that you're making that person that you're working with look good in front of their boss. And typically, if you can justify a decision, whether or not they agree with the decision, but at least if you can walk them through, here's the data that we've reviewed, right? Here's here's here was the problem that we looked to solve. Here's the process that we went through to solve the problem. The data that we reviewed, and here then was the outcome that typically puts people in 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 a good light. Yeah, well said. All right. Well, we've gone about an hour, and it has flown by. I have one more thing for you guys. What's it been like working with Evolve IP, and more pointedly? How did you know that Evolve IP was, you know, pick any sort of opportunity, but how did you know that Evolve IP was the right supplier out of all the 300 suppliers in your portfolio? I'll take a crack at that. Um, I think, I think as it relates to being a supplier was, was honestly some, uh, was you guys wanting to come by or off to our office? Mm. I mean, we're, we're, we're just like, we're just like the customer, Yeah, right? You're killed with you know, emails that are, that are just loading up the inbox and it's difficult at times to sort through, you know, what's just noise. Um, So, so one, it was spending some time with somebody in our office to understand a little bit more about what it is that you do. Um, And then on the other side, I think it kind of goes to some of the things that we talked about before as it relates to culture and being entrepreneurial and being easy to work with is, um, you know, certainly, certainly in, in some cases, anyway, you guys are selling some sophisticated products, mm-hmm. especially, you know, from a DAS standpoint. And yeah. it's, it, it isn't, it isn't cookie cutter. Right. Right. It isn't one size fits all. And, you know, it's looking at an opportunity in a way that says, okay, um, yes, we can do this. Mm-hmm. And, and yes, we can. We can scale with the customer, right? Mm-hmm. As opposed to essentially just doing a one-off that then breaks when somebody calls, you know, service, right? Yeah. Or they they can't 
you know, track it once it gets to somebody outside of the sales organization. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's 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 having been willing to look at opportunities in a way that says, yes, this makes sense. Yes, we can provide appropriate service, and certainly, you know, we can make money. You know, those are companies that we like doing business with. Is because not everything is always right down the middle of the fairway, right? Right, and and typically with the opportunities that we are selling to, it's not just right down the middle of the fairway. Whether it's special contract terms or something, there's something that's a little bit unique, and and you guys have um, you know certainly supported the uh, the endeavor there. And don't get me wrong, we're because again we come from the service provider side. We're not we're not wasting anybody's time. Right. Mm-hmm. At least we think it makes sense in the event that we're bringing it to you. Right. Um, but I think culturally, your willingness to look at it like that. And, and then secondarily, our relationships at the level that allows, um, you know, them to look at it from an outside the box standpoint is, mm-hmm. has, has been, you know, certainly beneficial to the relationship. That's great. Chris, anything you uh, add there? Yeah, I absolutely agree. Just, you know, the willingness to get in and, all right, let's figure out how we can, you know, get that that client that quarter-inch hole versus selling them a quarter-inch drill bit. Mm. Well said. Well, gents, it's been great. Um, I guess for, for those that want to check you guys out, I mean, are you on LinkedIn? Um, how, how can people find you? Yeah, both of us are certainly on LinkedIn. Um, we've we've actually recently hired a marketing firm, so hopefully, hopefully they'll be doing a good job and will allow make it a little bit easier for people to find us and understand some of the different things that we do. But yeah, we're we're certainly available on LinkedIn and uh, and on the web at uh, cloudcom.net. Excellent. All right, any events coming up that you guys are going to be at? Huge one, actually. Oh. Yeah, okay. yeah, awesome. it's our it's yeah. our internal event. We're uh, we're hosting a we're hosting a leadership technology leadership summit down at Lahitas, which is a it's a unique place down on the uh, Texas Mexico border, and it's it's really just a, an opportunity to build relationships um, with a handful of IT leaders that we're bringing down there. Um, and, uh, you know, certainly we've got some content that we're covering with them, but it's also a laid back agenda that allows us appropriate time to build relationships and, you know, over a two and a half day period. So it's, uh, it's going to be fun. We'll keep you posted. That's great. Well, I can't wait to see pictures. Yep. Thank you both so much. I uh, appreciate you coming on and, uh, I have to do this again. This was fun. I appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you. Same. Cool. Appreciate Thanks, the time. Absolutely. That's a wrap on this episode of the Channel Champions podcast. You can find this and all our episodes on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or your favorite streaming platforms. If you have any suggestions for future episodes, guests, or topics, please reach out to us. We appreciate you coming along with us on this journey and hope you'll be back for the next episode. Until then, stay tuned, stay connected, and stay inspired.